Welcome back. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, I am 24. This is my podcast, 24's podcast. We are back. Pause the music. I don't know if it's because of, of the holidays. I don't know if it's just because I'm exhausted or I don't know. But uh, lately, I've been recording these podcasts a little bit earlier in the day and not like super late at night because I'm just like, hey, you know, I have time. I'm like, I have a moment to step away and it's a good it's usually a good reason to uh, to not. Uh, it's usually a good reason to like, you know, just uh, avoid my family sometimes. It's like, oh, stop. You do it too. Sometimes it's just like it's it's too much. It's too much sometimes. So here we are. Unpause my music. Late at night. We have a great one. Recapping all of the Thursday night football games. All of not even pause it. Pause it. Not Thursday night football games. All of just uh, the games that happen on Thursday, regardless of whatever time they were played at. Dallas at uh, Dallas in Dallas, Detroit in Detroit, and Minnesota in Minnesota. Unpause. Unpause. Thank you. Thank you. We'll talk about those games. We'll also give you a nice prediction into the weekend talking about the weekend games, recapping the Thursday night games, talking about some narratives going around the NFL, some of the teams, some of the personalities have some opinions. I will go ahead and shoot them down today. Why not? They're usually all wrong. We're going to get into it very, very quickly, very, very shortly, ladies and gentlemen, right here. 24th Worlds and Rhapsody, Nujabes. That was the song that we just we just listened to. Great song, by the way, written by the awesome, awesome producer DJ. Whatever you want to call Nujabes, you just gotta call him great. Watching the uh, the old Cowboys game. Hold on, I got something. Hold on, I got something really, really quick. I want to get it really, really fast. Hold on, give me like two seconds. Give me like two seconds. Sorry about that. Uh, obviously, today being the Friday after... Thanksgiving, so it's Black Friday. Sometimes, um, you know, there's some really, really good deals and some stuff. And, uh, god damn, did you know, like, maybe it's me and I haven't bought a TV in like 
five or six years. So I, I just don't know the pricing on TVs. I saw a 70 inch television for a 60, 70 inch television for like three, four hundred dollars. It's just like, do you realize how expensive those were like almost 10 years ago? I mean, I get it. It was like almost 10 years ago, but they were like easily over a thousand plus. And now they're like three, four hundred dollars. I'm just like, and then some of them, I remember Walmart kept on showing me that ad and they were like, come buy a Roku 70, 65 inch television for like two hundred and twenty nine dollars. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Anyways, I, uh, the holidays are coming. What better way to celebrate Christmas than Harry Potter? I got, because I don't have HBO Max. I, I, I don't have HBO Max. So I bought the, uh, the Harry Potter movie series, all eight films. I haven't seen all eight of them in like years, but I have seen people review them because I'm a millennial. <laughs> also, I got Justice League, the, um, the complete collection, Justice League, is an animated TV show featuring um, the vocal talents of one Kevin Conroy, R.I.P., Rip, to the great and utter Kevin Conroy. He was the voice of Batman for almost 30 years. Uh, the animated voice of Batman, he was, um, I mean, he was a, not only, not only was he a part of my childhood, he was also a part of my uh, adolescence, my adulthood. Same thing goes with Jason David Frank. I haven't, I haven't talked about it at all, but huge Power Rangers fan here, and easily my favorite season of the Power Rangers. I think it's probably the best, if not one of the best, was and is Power Rangers Dino Thunder, where Jason David um, Frank, or I'll just call him Jason. Jason reprises his illustrious role as Tommy Oliver, but somehow, some way, Tommy gets his doctorate, so he becomes Dr. Tommy Oliver, and he becomes the Black Ranger after being the white, or technically, he was first the red Turbo Power Ranger um, before he became the Black Dino Thunder Power Ranger, and then he was the white Tiger Power Ranger. He was the white Power Ranger, and then he was the, uh, before that, he was the Green Power Ranger, which everybody knows him for, but I know him as Dr. Tommy Oliver and Dino Thunder, and I think that's probably the best season of Power Rangers ever. He's like two of my childhood icons gone like that. I have, you know what? I'm such a nerd. I did think for like a hot minute about getting Power Rangers Dino Thunder. I'm, I'm one of those weird people that buys DVDs, don't judge me, don't judge me, but I am, I'm one of those people that buys DVDs, and, um, I mean, I bought eight Harry Potter movies on DVD, so, today, so, I'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to DVDs, and so I was just like, oh, you know, like, maybe I should get Power Rangers Dino Thunder, because, Power Rangers Dino Thunder, it's only like 10 bucks on Amazon, which is insane. It's like $10 on Amazon. And um, it's my favorite season. It's one of my, I mean, it's one of my favorite seasons. But then I was just like, eh, I can like, I can literally watch it on YouTube, you know? It's like, it's like boom, boom. It's like that. I can just watch it on YouTube, you know what I mean? It would be different if I literally could not access it. Like, I cannot watch Harry Potter except on HBO Max. I cannot watch Justice League. 
unless I watch it on HBO Max because Warner Bros owns Cartoon Network and Cartoon Network owns the uh, the license and the TV show for Justice League and I don't have HBO Max anymore so I can't watch I can't watch Justice League so there you go. But um yeah, if I like I can I can watch Power Rangers Dino Thunder on YouTube whenever I feel like it. <sighs> so anyways, that's kind of all of the other uh, stuff that I I'm excited about. Besides, obviously, football for this weekend. Less excited about it because the Cowboys are not playing. They fin they finished uh, their their week literally yesterday. They took care of business. Beat the Giants yesterday. We'll talk about it. I don't know if we'll lead into it. I do have a lot of Cowboys stuff. I do have some 49er stuff. I do have a lot prepared for today. Let's start off with Detroit versus the Buffalo Bills. So, just straight away, I'm a little bit worried about the Bills. And look, man, I wasn't I wasn't high on the Bills for the last couple of weeks, or more specifically, I wasn't as high on the Bills as I was on the Chiefs for like the last couple of weeks. I predicted that the Bills were going to beat the Chiefs like a month ago, maybe half a month ago, maybe a little bit over that. And I thought it was just because the Chiefs, they didn't, they weren't going to be able to shut down Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen. And I felt like the Bills could uh, shut down Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. And I was semi-correct. I was semi-right about it. Bills run, um, Bills won regardless. About a month and a half ago. I think now... The Bills are at a significantly lower level than the Chiefs, in my opinion. I think they are. And it's because of what happened last night, or technically early in the morning or early in the afternoon, whatever, wherever you are in the country. It happened at 12 o'clock for me when they faced off against the Lions. And it was a pretty competitive, chaotic football game. The final score was 28 to 25. You had scores in every single quarter, big scores outside of the third were essentially Jared Goff led up a safety to the uh, to the Buffalo Bills and the Bills, they semi capitalized on it. But the final score was 28 to 25 Buffalo. And I'm a bit shocked that they won that game. I really am. And the reason why I'm shocked that they won was because I feel like the Lions could have won that game against the Bills, which is why I'm so low on the Bills today. Let me kind of give you, you know, the synopsis of the game. So essentially, the game is this back-and-forth tug-of-war for the entirety of the game, and Detroit is hanging firmly in against the Buffalo Bills, and it looks like, for huge portions of the game, it's, it's not only is it close, but the Detroit Lions are going to win this football game. And Detroit, on one of the final drives of the game, rolling down the football field, Jared Goff and company, they get to this very, very interesting precipice, right? They get to this dilemma. They, they get to this problem. It's third and one inside the Buffalo Bills territory. And I remembered this series, that or this sequence, because I thought that it was important. I was sitting, you know, with some family... I was fully reclined under a blanket 
me and my family member were like waiting for the Cowboys to come on. But more specifically, I was just watching the game because I love watching football. But I'm sitting there watching the Lions play, fully reclined under a blanket. It's third and one. And I'm thinking to myself, take a shot. You know, just take a shot. It's third and one. You have the fourth down. Your offense has been rolling. Just see what happens. Of course, Jared Goff's completely whiffs a touchdown to whoever he was throwing the football to. It may have been Chark. It may have been somebody else. Whoever it was didn't really matter, to be honest with you, because none of the Detroit Lions wide receivers are memorable outside of Amon Ross St. Brown. He had like an okay game. But for the most part, oh no, he not an okay game. He had nine receptions for 122 yards. Didn't feel like it. But no, he had a great game. Excuse me, let, let me correct that. He had a great game. But like outside of him, there wasn't really anyone that was noticeable. So who's 11? Oh, it was Khalif Raymond. That was the other guy. That was that Jared Goff was throwing a lot of balls to. So he's probably throwing it to Khalif Raymond, right? Who got open, like significantly open. And Jared, just Jared Goff missed him. And so I'm thinking, ah, okay, you know, good attempt. The Bills weren't prepared for it, et cetera, et cetera. Could have iced out the game. You're on the football here, bada bing, bada boom. On fourth and one, you continue the drive. Well, the Lions, instead of doing, instead of doing that, they freaking try to kick the field goal. Or they did, and I think they hit it. And I'm just like, what, you tried to hit the, you, you hit the field goal instead of, Going up more instead of trying to extend the drive. And then, of course, we all know what happens next. The Detroit Lions essentially got the dog walked on them by the Buffalo Bills. The Bills go down the football field in a timely fashion, in a timely manner, and they score on the Lions. The Lions have, like, no time left to play, and then the Lions lose the football game against the Buffalo Bills. It was very, very Detroit Lions-esque. Why am I saying all of this? Why is this important? Because, again, if Detroit wasn't so much of a clusterfuck, they would have won the football game tonight. Or yesterday night. Or yesterday morning. Jesus Christ. Instead, they lose it against the Buffalo Bills in kind of a horrifying fashion on Thanksgiving. And they go home with another fucking hell. But that's like the Detroit Lions side. But the reality of the situation is this Bills game, it should have been won by Detroit if Detroit was more competent in their play selection and if in and with their thought process. And the reason why I say that is it's just like, look, man, if you weren't gonna go for the for the fourth down, if you weren't gonna go for it on fourth down, why the fuck wouldn't you run it on third? It's third and one. You need one yard. Why wouldn't you just run a short yardage play if you weren't going to run it on fourth down? If you, were go- if you weren't going to run it, you just needed one yard to convert. But they acted like they were going for it on fourth down. They were like, eh, let's not do that. And then they lost because of that. Again, the Lions aren't a very good football team, but they could have and should have won this football game. That's like the main takeaway. But I think we knew that the Lions were not very good. But the Bills could have lost. That's the main takeaway. On the Bills side, not just the Lions, but on the Bills side. It's like, oh, like, you could have won, or you could have lost against a supremely inferior football team, and that's kind of the way that things have been for the Buffalo Bills for the last couple of weeks, right? They almost lose the game against the Detroit Lions, 
They lost against the Minnesota Vikings. Well, how did they lose that game? You may or may not remember. Josh Allen fumbles the football at the one-yard line. Cataclysmic collapse by the Buffalo Bills. Okay, well, how did they lose? Um, did they lose the uh, the other game against the uh, the Jets? Yes, they did. They did lose that game. Josh Allen played terribly. It goes on and on and on. For like about a month, they've been not really playing very well. And do you want to know who it reminds me of? Dallas last year, where Dallas just didn't play very well. And we'll get on Dallas. Don't worry, we'll get on Dallas. But Dallas didn't play that well down the stretch, and you could see it. Against good teams, they struggled with. Against bad teams, they played really, really good. And then we kind of like washed our hands clean, and it was just like, oh, Dallas is in the playoffs. They score 40 points against the Eagles as backups. And then we kind of like, and then I mistakenly thought that they were going to, to play very well, and they didn't. Not going to make that mistake again. This is very, very similar to the Dallas Cowboys last year. But, oh, wait, it gets worse. They lost their best defensive player in Von Miller last last night or yesterday morning. I'm just, uh, yesterday, I'll just refer to it as yesterday. They lost their best defensive player in Von Miller. I've been saying it. For about a month, I'm like, oh my God, the Bills lucked out on getting Von Miller because Jesus H. Christ, if they didn't get Von Miller, uh, they would they would have to rely on the pass rush of A.J. Epinesa and freaking Gregory Rousseau, who was out yesterday with like an injury and my internet just shut down for some reason. I can't access the internet. It's ridiculous. Gregory Rousseau, A.J. Epinesa would be the Buffalo Bills top tier pass rushers. Uh, which is ironic because they're not very top tier to begin with. They're not very good. Von Miller got hurt last night. Bill Starr, pass rusher. I feel like he could have made significant difference, and he did make significant difference against the Kansas City Chiefs. And so it's doubly as so that the Bills are not going to beat the Chiefs this year for the third year in a row. They may not even, I don't know who's in the AFC that could really challenge them. Oh, Miami. Oh, yeah, Miami. Miami's going to beat them again. My internet is slow. I don't know. Like, where's my iPad? Let me just, let me just get this. Let me get my iPad. I'm sick and tired of this. Let me get my iPad. Give me like two more seconds. I apologize. Give, give me two more seconds. Hold up. Give me like zip seconds. Hold on. I had to stand up to get my iPad, but I will get my iPad regardless. Let me go on and get the NFL schedule here. Hold on. Hold on. Okay, boom. Got the games. All right. Meanwhile, my computer is still telling me that I'm not connected to the internet. I'm like, bullshit, I am not connected to the internet. Anyways. Going back, sorry about that. Going back to the Bills versus the um, Lions, right? If I go and if I look at the Bills games over the, like, the last couple of uh, weeks, I look at their games, right? The... Uh, the Cleveland game, excuse me, this past weekend. I thought the Vikings game was this past weekend. It was two weeks ago. I apologize. Cleveland game where they almost 
gave up an overtime possession to the, uh, not overtime, an onside kick to the Browns, giving the Browns an additional opportunity to try and go down the football field and score. The final score of the game was 23-31. to 31. They would have had to do a lot of work to get that overtime, uh, that extra inning, excuse me, that extra quarter. But um, they didn't get it. The Cleveland Browns special teamer was specially bad on that play. The Vikings game, of course, Josh Allen fumbles it. The game goes into overtime. They lose in overtime. Josh Allen, by the way, throwing a game-ending interception in the red zone. They lost to the Jets. And then early in the year, September 25th, they lose against the Dolphins 19-21, the Tua Tagovailoa concussion game. By the way, their divisional losses against those teams, once again, I have to reference it, has led them to be in a weird spot in their division because they should be the one seed. Like, categorically speaking, they should be the one seed. And uh, they're not. They are not. They are the, uh, the three or the two seed. I think they're the two seed because the Patriots lost last night. Should be the one seed, but... Um, they are, they aren't. <laughs> they go up against the Patriots, ironically enough. Goodness gracious, they have two Thursday night games. Back to back. That's not good. For them, uh, but for me, it's pretty freaking sweet. Anyways, Bills are in trouble. Bills are in trouble. Uh, Long term. Maybe not short term because they have the Patriots. Jets, Dolphins, Bears, Bengals, Patriots, and they may lose like maybe, maybe two, three games. Maybe. Doubt it though. Maybe two games. And then they'll just win the next four to maybe three and they'll be in the playoffs. But long term, when they go up against the Chiefs, it's going to be kind of a nightmare. Speaking of like this. Yesterday in general. Yesterday was Thanksgiving. I didn't know the NFL was going to do this. Um, this to me is weird, right? The whole John Madden thing. It's weird, right? Weird in the sense of it was just like completely out of left field. And I was shocked to see it because I was just like, wait, like, like it was just like, I, I mean, I knew John Madden had like died a little bit over a year ago now at this point. I was a bit shocked that they had just like, the NFL was just like, yeah, we're just going to dedicate... Thanksgiving games to John Madden. I'm just like, wait, what? And keep in mind, right? Like John Madden's legacy is, you know, like, uh, like it's, it's pretty like hefty. It's pretty large. It's like a football player at the NFL level, then a coach, then a Super Bowl winning coach. And then he became a color commentator. And then he essentially is like one of the only color commentators to do every single, to like be a broadcaster on every single network. I didn't watch John Madden that much as a kid. I mean, to be honest with you. So I don't really have that strong of like a memory of John Madden. On top of that, he were like retired in 2008. Maybe it's me. Like again, hey, like if the end, it feels phony. I'll just say it. It feels like, like fabricated. You know, they were just like, like, again, I don't want to disrespect John Madden too much, but it's just like, I hadn't seen or heard of John Madden before he died. In almost 20 years, you know? It was, it's very weird to me. 
Like, his last game that he casted was in 2008. And then I hear, like, the NFL... It feels like... You know what it feels like to me as I was, like, watching it? I was just like, why are we doing tributes to John Madden on Thanksgiving? It feels like what the NBA does for Kobe Bryant. You know what I mean? For the All-Star game. Like, they gave him an award... The game is essentially a dedication to him and the players. They play harder. They, they actually play, you know, during the all-star game now. And the all-star game is pretty awesome, to be honest with you, now. And it's just like, it feels like that. Except it feels way more fabricated. Like, they were just like, well, this is a great opportunity to, like, get, get, uh, get this game going again, you know. Because if they really cared about his legacy, in my opinion, why wouldn't they have just celebrated it more when he was alive? You know what I mean? That's why I'm like, it feels a little bit fabricated. It's just like I had the preview of like John Madden talking about Thanksgiving and stuff like that. I'm like, I mean, nobody was talking about it yesterday, but I just... Nobody was talking about it like positively or negatively, you know, nobody was just like, oh, this is super cool. Nobody or nobody was like, oh, this is super lame. It was just like. It was just out of left field. I was just like, what? Like the NFL didn't do any PR for it at all. I was just like. We're honoring John Madden now on Thanksgiving. That's what we're doing. OK. All right. Yeah, but it, it just it felt supremely corny and fabricated and like uh like just plastic like fake like this was like them trying to do what the nba did with kobe bryant and i'm just like guys like come on come on and then they always bring up madden like every single boomer is like madden like um he's uh, his name is affiliated with one of the with like video games most pop one of video games most popular series or best-selling series ever. I'm just like, uh, Madden sucks. Ask any of the players. Madden sucks. You don't you don't want Madden, John Madden, to be associated with the video game. Madden, whatever it is. 2024 now. 2023, excuse me. Because it sucks. Like, I don't think people... Like, it's, it's, a, it's, it's like an old person's talking point. You know what I mean? It's like nobody who's my age is like, yeah, you know, whew. Thank God John Madden is uh, got his own video game series in 2023. It's like, it kind of fucking sucks now. Maybe stop mentioning that. Especially when it's like, you haven't played it in almost 30 years. Stop it. Anyways. That's like my whole little like gripe with the whole like Madden stuff. John Madden and Madden media people being like, yeah, like John Madden legend in the game. And uh, his best moments were on Thanksgiving. I'm like. I mean, I didn't. Like, until I was, like, an adult and stuff like that, I didn't really spend Thanksgiving watching football. So I don't really, like, know it that much. I kind of just, like, spend it hanging out with my family. You know? So. I don't know. But, yeah, John Madden. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't really have any strong feelings either way. So, anyways, um, I just think it's weird that the NFL would do that. Like, we haven't talked about him in almost 20 years, and now we just have to talk about him every single year on Thanksgiving. Again, like, no broadcaster, no 
media person on the NFL network or whatever said that they were going to uh to do this. I don't know. It was just it was very, very weird to me. Very, very weird. Honestly, I kinda hope they stopped because it was kind of annoying. Yeah. Look, I can't I can't be dishonest. I was like again, it had nothing to do with like John Madden. It just has everything to do with the whole like we're going to honor somebody that we haven't talked about in almost 20 years, you know? Like, all right. Anyways. Going back to what happened over the weekend, I'm going to skip over the Cowboys here, talk about the uh, the best for last year. I'm going to talk about the Vikings versus the Patriots in Minnesota. Vikings won it 33-26. to 26. I was going to come in here... Because it looked like Kirk Cousins was going to wet the bat again the way that the Patriots were playing. And uh, he did not. Uh, once again, 33-26 final score. Minnesota was up. And they won late in the fourth. Patriots, every single facet and every single phase let Mac Jones down last night. Who had like almost 400 yards and two touchdowns. It's easily one of his best games he's ever played in his entire life as a New England Patriot with bums. And... Somehow, some way, the special teams on a kickoff return lets up a touchdown. The um, the freaking defense absolutely crumbled by the bye. Can I just give a big old shout out to everybody that was like, Matt Judon is the defensive player of the NFL. Matt Judon is the defensive player of the NFL. Matt Judon is better than Micah Parsons because of sacks. As I am scrolling to try to find his... Uh, his numbers here. Let me uh two, 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 two. Matt Judon, one tackle, two assists. Zero sacks. Like there's a there's a bit of a problem with that in the sense of he kind of didn't do anything. Keep in mind, right? The Vikings aren't playing Christian Darisol, they're playing backups. I remember I saw one play specifically that was just like shocking to me. It was when Matt Judon was singled up against TJ Hawkinson. It was just like, yeah, just take care of TJ Hawkinson. Matt, or not, it's the other way. Take care of Matt Judon, TJ Hawkinson. Just take care of Judon. I was like shocked. I was just like, oh, this is going to be lunch meat. He's like, no, TJ Hawkinson did a pretty good job of pass protecting against Matt Judon. Shocked. I was just like, this is the guy that everybody's like, he's better than, than, uh, than Micah Parsons. This is the guy. This is your guy. Unbelievable stuff. And this isn't just how bad it was for Matt Judon. Look, I love Matt Judon. I think he's a great player. I've thought that for years. He's one of my guys. Talked about Matt Judon a lot over the, uh, the history of the podcast. If you think Matt Judon is better than Micah Parsons, you're smoking meth. I, I don't understand that at all. You're insane to think that. There's like no comparison. We finally have, we literally have a game or a team where it's just like, oh, the team that was able to play very, very well uh, against the Vikings' horrific offensive line in the Dallas Cowboys absolutely crushed them. Got Kirk Cousins to seven sacks, a career high. That team essentially showed you the blueprint on how to beat the Vikings. They didn't take it. Matt Judon was not very good. And they fumbled and they failed. And they were miserable. Kirk Cousins in primetime has an atrocious record and they couldn't and they couldn't capitalize off of it. 
That's why I picked the Vikings to lose. I was like, oh, the Patriots are going to win. And it looked like it. Mac Jones was playing his fucking ass off. Defense let him down. Let him down. Scored 26 points. Gave up 10 in the fourth quarter. And she's like, I don't, okay. All right. Stop them one of those times. Maybe not the three points. They would have still won the game off of three points. But if you stop the touchdown, it's a tie ball game. Or not a tie ball game. At the very least, the Vikings are up by three. I don't know. Patriots were just not good enough. They just weren't against the Vikings defensively. Big shocker, to be honest with you. Let's talk now the team that we've all been waiting for. The team that absolutely destroyed the New York Giants on Thursday. The team with, as I check my statistics, according to John Mashoda and Fox Sports PR, I didn't, I didn't realize Fox Sports had a PR team, but hey, they, they do. Fox Sports PR tweeted something out that John Mashoda my shout out. Like retweeted. The Dallas Cowboys versus the New York Giants had forty two million viewers to watch the Dallas Cowboys beat the crap out of the uh out of the New York Giants. It is by far and away the most watched regular season game on any network on record. Previously, it was the Giants versus the 49ers uh, on December 3rd, 1990. And it pretty much doubled last season's matchup on Fox. It was... I don't want to do too much PR for them, but it was and is a hugely watched game. And I said that it was an important game, right? I said it before the game. I'll say it after. Huge game. Why is it such a huge game for uh, for the Dallas Cowboys specifically? Well, they now have control over the uh, over the series against the Giants. They're now up two games because they have the tiebreaker officially against the Giants. And straight up, they're they're just straight up up a game. Like, without even the tiebreaker. It's like, yeah, we're up a game. Boom. Get wrecked, kid. So now Dallas has to lose two games. Giants have to win two games for the Giants to, uh, to be back in the two seed in the NFC East. And the Cowboys are one game behind the Philadelphia Eagles. All Philly has to essentially do this weekend is lose. Which, once again, they lost to the Commanders, um, what was it, like two weeks ago. They almost lost to the Colts this past weekend. All they have to do is lose one more game, and then Dallas is essentially, and then Dallas only has to win one more game, and then essentially Dallas, like, if everything goes according to plan, Dallas will be the one seed in the conference outside of like Minnesota losing one more game, which I think they will as well. Dallas is close. Look, I said it last year. I'll say it this year before I get on to Dallas versus Lions. 
I'll say, I, I'll say it last year. I said it this year. Momentum matters. It matters. Matters a lot. Dallas's momentum was always like, it was, it was like a, it was a, a freaking low rider that had super, like a, a lot of hydraulics in it. It was just like, it was going up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. It's like Dallas wasn't really consistent. And consistency doesn't just mean like, oh, consistency of play. It also means like just straight up whether or not you win. And Dallas lost some pretty important games against some pretty important teams. They lost against the Kansas City Chiefs. They lost against the Oakland Raiders. Dallas was like one or two games outside of the uh, the one seed. At around this time last year, ironically enough, you kind of knew that the Cowboys were eliminated from the one seed. A lot would have to go right for them to get the one seed. Essentially, all that has to happen is the Vikings have to lose one more game, which they probably will, and the Eagles have to lose one more game, and the Cowboys have to beat them on Christmas Eve to get the one seed. And all and real realistically. I mean, like later on, not even later on, but like as of right now, all the all the Eagles have to do is just lose multiple games, which I don't know if they will lose like two to even three more games before the matchup against the the uh, the Cowboys on Christmas Eve. I don't know if that to that extent that will happen. However, all the Eagles have to do is just lose multiple games, and then it's just like it's over with. It's done. That's it. It's gone. Once he's gone, all the Vikings have to do is just lose one more game. The margin for success for the Eagles and the Vikings is razor thin. Very, very few mistakes. And both teams are on slides, right? Almost lose to the Patriots, almost lose to the Vikings. Or excuse me, not to the Vikings, to the Colts. Just two bad games that they've played. And the Cowboys are just there for the taking. And we'll talk about the context of the game. We'll talk about, you know, the game itself and, you know, what people picked and things of that nature. But I think, again, like you're here, you hear me talk about it all the time. Records, record, records, momentum, December, November games. You hear about me talking about it all the time and like essentially making every single weekend seem like it's doomsday because I've seen this happen for years upon years upon years where teams are just like, yeah, we're just going to go into the regular season or, or yeah, we're going to go into the regular season. We're going to win like eight games. The Bills to me are done, right? The Bills, once again, remind me of the Cowboys and the Eagles and the Vikings are in trouble because I don't think they get out of this. I don't think they get out of... um the next three, four weeks without, at the very least, one to two losses minimum for both teams. The way they're playing. And again, like, like a lot of people like to say, you can't flip a switch and just start playing better. And I agree. I don't think you just start... It's not like the NBA, where the NBA, you can have, like, certain players... Take nights off. You can have, you know, some game management and you could rest players' bodies and things of that nature. Like, that's not really the case in the NFL. To be honest with you. However, it's hard. I mean, not even however. Excuse me. Sorry. I lost my train of thought. You can flip a switch in the NBA. You can't flip a switch in the NFL. There is no however. I apologize. 
And I think that's the point, right? It's like, there's the point with Dallas last year. It's the point with the Bills and the Vikings and the Eagles and the... Yeah, and the Bills. I don't know why my train of thought. I'm like, I'm getting it and I'm losing it. Let me play you something here very, very quickly here. And then we'll read some other stuff as well. And so, all week long, you heard stories, you heard narratives of, well, the Cowboys are going to lose to the Vikings, or excuse me, to the, yeah, to the Vikings last week because the Vikings, they have Dalvin Cook and all they have to do is run the football 24. All they have to do is run the football. That's all I got to do. Then you heard those exact same narratives be had with the, with the Giants. All they have to do, run the football with Saquon Barkley. They'll win the football game 24. Don't worry. The Giants will win. That's what everybody told me, right? That's what everybody probably told you as well. Let me show you something here. So, Giants... Ran the football with Saquon Barkley 11 times. That's not very good. He had 39 yards, 3.5 yards per carry. One touchdown. Gary Brightwell had more production when it came to yards per attempt. But essentially, they put him in because the game was essentially over with. He had five carries, 31 yards, 6.2 yards per carry. The only reason why he had more production or that type of production was because Dallas was just like, yeah, bro, like run the clock out. Jamie Erndale even had like a really, really nice take about it as well. Here's, here's Jamie talking about it, talking about how the Giants just wasted a bunch of time running the football in the fourth quarter when there was just no shot for them to win the football game. They were just like, we'll try and get big plays in the running game. Dallas was like, yeah, go ahead, try it. Go ahead and burn out all that clock. Here she is on a uh, good morning football. Oh my God. Let me uh, let me back it up. Sorry, I didn't unmute my computer audio. Here it is. Realizing it's yeah. happening, yeah. they've had good wins, but in this division, Giants, you can't do this. If I told you that one of these teams in the fourth quarter had an 11-play, 43-yard drive that took up almost six minutes of time, mm -hmm. you'd think that was the team that was up by 15. It was not. That was done by a team that was down by 15, the Giants, in the fourth quarter. And what happened? They turned it over on downs. What else happened within that 11-play drive? They ran the ball five times. I was cleaning. I was just scrubbing that turkey pan right around this time. It was like 7.30 at night. And I just was like, I kept looking up. They still have the, they still have the ball? Yeah. They haven't scored yet? How, why aren't they getting down the field? So there she is, right? And she brings up a point that I kind of bring up very, very, like, quietly and also loudly. Look, if you're a team, and this is kind of a consequence of the Dallas Cowboys, right? I was like, the rushing yards are a little bit, I love how everybody was just like, Dallas just, stat pads and things of that nature but yeah like the whole like we have x amount of rushing yards against the cowboys is a little bit stat paddish right the vikings with dalvin cook you would look at his numbers and you're just like wow he had a lot of yards per attempt why didn't he uh why didn't he why didn't they just run the football more and it was just because it was just like all of his yards that they got were literally at the end of the game the same thing goes for the giants and because they run the football they stay in bounds they take all freaking day to do anything in this case that Jamie Erndale is talking about is uh, essentially 
turn over the football on downs. They took all day to do that, and Dallas was like, thank you for wasting your time. Thank you for turning over the football. Thank you for making this win significantly easier for us. The whole, the Cowboys aren't very good at stopping the run thing is kind of a myth now. It's a myth. They play one bad game against the Packers and everybody loses their minds. That's what it was. They played one bad game. Everybody wants to quote, well, what about the Lions and the Bears? And like, blowout, blowout. Next. Very similarly to the Giants. The Giants game, by the way, game that was a... That was won by Dallas 28-20. to 20, wasn't even that close. The Giants had a, a touchdown with literally 13 seconds left in the ballgame. And? Like, what? Wipe it away. It's 28-13. to 13. That should be the final score of the game. They even send in their backups. They were just like, yeah, we're not playing our starters. We're sending in backups. Send in the backups. So, hey, at least we know Daniel Jones can score. Uh, touchdowns as long as it's against backups as long as it's against backups here is Chris Canty should I play him the day before or a couple of days before the Cowboys or a couple of days after um oh let's play the day but let's play the day after let's play what he said today uh and then we'll play what he said on like Wednesday or Tuesday, just so you can see just like the stupidity of of just Chris Canty. So here he is today talking about the uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Well, they're going to have to play a lot better brand of ball, Graz, if they want to find themselves competing for a championship. If you look at it, they weren't all the way buttoned up. You had 13 penalties that led to four first downs. 11, 11 penalties. For the New York Giants, you had two plus territory turnovers and you had a highly questionable coaching decision by Mike McCarthy early in the game. It's a nothing, nothing ball game. You decide to go for it on fourth and two from your own 40. You're oh, no, no, never mind. 13 penalties. My bad. A point blank scoring opportunity for the New York Giants. And had it not been for a Tyree Phillips uh, illegal ineligible player downfield, you're talking about that being a touchdown to Isaiah Hodgins rather than them settling for a field goal. Wah, wah, wah. Wah, 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 wah. Dallas didn't play well. Dallas had 13 penalties. Dallas this, Dallas that. Wah, wah, wah. That's what I hear from Chris Canty. You know what I just saw? I just saw Donovan Wilson. I'm rewatching the game right now. Donovan Wilson, bottom of the first of the second quarter. Interception against the Giants. You don't hear Dallas crying about it. Dallas's 60-yard field goal that gets eliminated because of officiating stupidity. 60-yarder. It's green. It's good. Brett Maher sinks it. Refs overturn it for some weird reason. They're like, oh, we stopped the play even though the play went on. Never seen that in my entire life. Dallas is just like, we'll just make the field goal again. The C.D. Lamb catch, one of the best catches of the year. When it comes to C.D. Lamb's catches, it's just like, which one? The touchdown, back of the end zone, one foot in. Apparently, we have different rules for how receivers catch passes in bounds when it comes to the sideline in the end zone. It, it, it just should be the same rules regardless. But apparently, you have to get the, the whole foot in and not just the toe which C.D. Lamb gets in, which should have been a touchdown. The rules are inconsistent. They're a joke. You don't hear Dallas 
crying about those 10 points. Do you want to know why? Because again, Brett Maher, he's just like, oh, you think I can't hit a 60-yard field goal? I'll just do it again. CeeDee Lamb's like, oh, okay, fine. Like, I don't need the touchdown. I'll give it to my guy, Peyton Hendershot. And then we'll play whack-a-mole in the freaking uh, uh, Salvation Army kennel. Wah, wah, wah. Giants, if the Giants did this, the Giants did that. You know what the Cowboys did? And Chris Canny was right. I apologize. He's right. Cowboys had 13 penalties. They had 21 unanswered points in the second half outside of the garbage time touchdown. They completely and utterly shut out the Giants while scoring three touchdowns in the second half. You don't hear the Cowboys crying about the poor officiating that went on. You hear people like Chris Canty crying about it. Wah, wah. If the Giants, if, if the call against the, the wide receiver, then the Cowboys would have won by one point. Oh, and the Giants would have had, still had a garbage time touchdown. Because again, the Cowboys scored 21 unanswered points in the second half. Let's hear more from the big baby whining and crying about what the Cowboys didn't do correct. And then I'll give you uh, a true analyst opinion on what happened last night. So a lot of errant mistakes from the Dallas Cowboys. I know the box score looks good at the end of the game, but people got to keep in mind, this was a one-point ball game with the Dallas Cowboys on the wrong side of it until two minutes in the third quarter. They're going to have to play a lot better if they want to beat the... What? That's like the most... Like, I love how he's just like, keep in mind, guys, it was a one-point game with like three minutes... 20 seconds left in the third quarter of the football game. Keep in mind, keep in mind, guys, one-point game. It's like, what? Yeah, because the Cowboys, they scored twice consecutively. They had two long drives. It's just like, and? And? I don't, I don't, I don't get his point. Is he implying that the Giants were close to winning? Which that obviously wasn't the case whatsoever. I, who is, where did he play for? Was he a former Cowboy? He sure does hate the Cowboys for, like, I'm, like they have a, he's like an ESPN reporter. He was a defensive lineman. Oh, he played for the Giants. Okay. Oh, and he won the, uh, the Super Bowl with the Giants. Oh, but he was a fourth round draft pick for the Dallas Cowboys, but then he mostly played his career in New York. Oh, okay. Well, that kind of explains why he's so bitter about the Cowboys. He gets drafted by the Cowboys, gets cut, then he goes to the Giants. It's just like you won a Super Bowl. I don't know why he's not. I don't know why he's not more uh, juiced up about it. But, you know, it is what it is, I guess. But let's listen in more. So this is the day after, the day after uh, his Giants lost to the Cowboys to the San Francisco 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles. And that's the point, right, Nico? I mean, we're, we're not talking about, like, downgrading a win, but the Cowboys I mean, have like, literally you are, but... Big dreams here. They think they can win the Super Bowl. So when you watched them yesterday, what did you think? Well, I think that... Those oh, by the way, sorry about that. We're, we're done with that clip. That was him yesterday. Uh, this was... Or not... Yesterday, that was him today. This is him like a couple of days ago, uh, smiling from ear to ear, grinning. He's excited to tell me, uh, give me his prediction 
on whether or not the Dallas Cowboys are going to beat the Giants. This is a couple of days ago. I love the Giants being able to execute the same playing plan that the Green Bay Packers did a couple of weeks ago, which is come out in big people. I mean, 12 personnel, 13 personnel, 21 personnel, and run right at those pass rushes for the Dallas Cowboys along their defensive front. Run at them. The New York Giants. And Get them. After their previous two losses, they came out and ran the ball 47 times and 44 times respectively. They're going up against the defense in the Cowboys. That's right. That's right. Just run at him. Listen to Chris Caddy. Just run at him. To run the football with Saquon Barkley, the leading leading rusher. They've got to try try to stay on schedule. If you stay on schedule, that's what he's emphasized. They emphasize the game where they're forced to drop back 35, 40 times. Don't throw it 35 times with Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley helps your offense stay on track, but it also keeps that high-powered offense of the Dallas Cowboys on the sideline. Get him off the field. Hit him on the sideline. Set him and. That didn't, none of what he said happened. Again, the Cowboys absolutely fucking destroyed the Giants. Penalties, 13 penalties, two interceptions. And the Dallas Cowboys, they overcome all of that, and they go out and they score, and they go out and they win. This should have been almost a 20-point game, honestly. This should have been a blowout. Should have been like the Minnesota game. Dallas had very, very little issue Moving the ball against the Giants' defense. Very, very little issue. The issue was Dallas was stopping themselves. And even then, it was just like, oh, yeah, like, we'll, we'll score 21 points unanswered. And the whole, like, well, we're not devaluing the win. We're not going to devalue the win. Well, first and foremost, yes, you are, number one. Number two, they just beat one of the best teams in the NFL, or in the NFC, excuse me, in the New York Giants. Giants, by the way, are falling apart, by the way, as well. But they beat the Giants. They take the two seed in their division. They're now two games up against the Giants. They're one game out of the Eagles, potentially. We'll see what happens. And people are like, uh, like uh, 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 the Cowboys, they didn't play very well. Uh, they're going to have to clean some stuff up. And it's just like, shut up. Get off my screen. Get off. Cowboys played fantastic on Sunday. Do you want to know what? I'll say this. I don't think it's that controversial. CeeDee Lamb has had a really, really nice last couple of uh, games, last two, three games. I think CeeDee Lamb's a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. I don't think that's super controversial. He had another 100-yarder after after the Giants game. This is his... Second 100-yard game in three weeks, but he actually averages about 100 yards per game because of the Green Bay game and this Cowboys game against the Giants and the Minnesota Vikings game. Like, he's averaging 300 yards. He had, like, 130-something, and then he had, like, 40-something yards. What were his statistical breakdowns? Yeah, oh, excuse me, not 130, 150, my bad. And then he had 45 against the Giants, and then he had 106. So he has, like, 300 yards over the last three weeks. He has 851, 857 yards. I think that's significantly more than A.J. Brown. It's getting to the point of like Jalen Waddle, but Jalen Waddle had a bye week last week and he's back. So he'll he'll probably add on another 100, another 100 this week, this weekend. Let me check out A.J. Brown's numbers real quick. Let me show you something. Talked about how essentially they're the exact same player. By the way, CeeDee Lamb probably should have had another touchdown. Um, Yeah, like A.J. Brown is now 100 yards behind CeeDee Lamb. 
He's got 785. CD Lamb has 857. He's about 70 yards away. About 70 yards. For those of you who are like, he's going to have a 100-yard game this weekend. He hasn't had a 100-yard game this month. Or more specifically, in a month. Last 100-yard game was October 30th. Yeah, that's not good for A.J. Brown. CeeDee Lamb played awesome. Multiple big plays. Multiple important plays for Dak. Especially early on. The rapport's starting to get there. It's not there completely yet. But it's definitely starting to get there. CeeDee's starting to find his groove. And when CeeDee Lamb fucking finds his groove... There are very, very few corners in the NFL that can stop him. And some people are going to be like, uh, he was playing up against backups. And it's just like, yeah, that's kind of the point. But two weeks ago, he played up against Jair Alexander and had 150 yards on him. Yeah, that argument doesn't work as well when you compare C.D. Lamb to one of the best. Compare his numbers to one of the best corners in the NFL and... That corner didn't uh, didn't fare so well. That secondary didn't fare so well. Yeah, didn't work so well, right? Right. Just saying. I think CD's uh, CD's awesome. CD's gonna be fine. Cannot wait to see what CD Lamb does uh, next week against the Colts. Yikes! The uh, the Colts are going to be just in for a world of pain and misery when they go up against the Cowboys. But the main takeaway from this game for me was, oh, okay, Dallas plays up against... Dallas makes a ton of mistakes. Ton of mistakes. Ton of bad decisions. Maybe not mistakes, but a ton of false starts from Tyler Smith. By the way, Tyler Smith, one of his worst games I've ever seen. It's like this game, the Green Bay game, the Rams game. Those are his three worst games. Dak Prescott didn't get sacked once. He got hit a lot. He got hit a lot. But Dak Prescott did not get sacked. That's kind of because Dak is awesome and Dak is just like, I'll just get it out of, in and out of my hands like really, really quickly. But like Dak Prescott is just like, yeah, I'm not going to get sacked. They're going to overload us. Tyler Smith didn't understand his responsibilities. I'm like rewatching it and Tyler Smith just is like giving up huge assignments. Like, some guys just were coming free. I don't know what was going on with the pass protection. It's just like Tyler Smith would always go outside instead of trying to block inside. And I'm like, literally, inside is the fastest way to your quarterback, Tyler. Why are you not blocking on the inside? Talk to me about it, Tyler. Oh, and by the way, I mentioned it last week. I'll mention it again this week. Dallas's third down efficiency was insane. 7 for 11 once got a 7-11 right there. Really, if Dallas probably didn't just not care about uh, third downs, they probably would have been like 8 for 11. But the final third down was them like kneeing down or something like that. I can't remember what it was. Or just them more specifically just like not even trying to convert on third down. They were 7 for 11. Which is still good, but we'll just... Like 7 for 10 is 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 obviously... Great, but even 7 for 11 is still pretty awesome. But yeah, like, the fact that, once again, Dallas had all of these issues. Kavion Thibodeau, it was easily his best game. 
He was awesome against Tyler Smith. But even Kavion Thibodeau, who was doing who was beating the shit out of Tyler Smith, Dallas's rookie left tackle, even though that was going on, Kavion Thibodeau, zero sacks. A lot of hits, though, I think. A lot of hits. Just saying. Just saying. Dallas is still pretty, pretty, pretty good. I will say this, though. There's mention, there's talk of the 49ers. I think even with the 49ers, quote-unquote, still playing well, and you'll, you'll hear for weeks, 49ers are, 49ers are back, they're playing well. You know what? Talk to me when the 49ers play up against Miami in two weeks. They beat Miami in two weeks, we got some problems. But I feel like the 49ers, I hate to use the cowboy analogy every single time I talk about teams that are a bit overrated, but it's just like, talk to me when they beat a fucking real team. You know? They beat the fucking Cardinals in Mexico City and everybody's foaming at the mouth. I'm like, so they beat the team that's reliant on Kyler Murray to essentially be their entire football team without Kyler Murray? That that was the plan? That That's what everybody was talking about? That was what everybody was saying? I don't understand it. I, I really don't. But the 49ers, they beat the Cardinals. People go ballistic. 49ers have Saints in... San Francisco, which is obviously going to be a bloodbath for uh, for the 49ers. They're just going to, or, yeah, I mean, it, like, how do you positively describe bloodbath or ascribe it, you know? It's going to be a, a, a bloodbath in favor of the 49ers. There you go. Going up against the terrible Saints. And then Sunday, December 4th, that's when I'll be tuning in. That's when I'll be watching the other 49ers go up against the Miami Dolphins, which I think that will be a bloodbath for positively for the Miami Dolphins. Just saying. Just saying. But um, we'll see. We'll see long term, though. I mean, I just, I don't see the 49ers. I keep saying, like, the 49ers, to me, are just an overrated football team. Super injury-prone, A, number one. Like, they're going to have to get through December. Dallas is, like, banged up with Micah. I'm a little bit worried about Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons is injury. Demarcus Lawrence, another, like, awesome defensive tackle for them. He's also significantly banged up. But I'm more concerned with, oh, okay, the health of Micah Parsons. I'm not really concerned with the health of Zeke as much because Zeke he had a great game last night, or, yeah, last night, it's kind of accurate. But also, Tony Pollard, is just like, they literally have two running backs, and I think Tony Pollard is better, even though Zeke had a great game last night. But Micah Parsons, a little bit banged up. Demarcus Lawrence banged up. Dallas will probably get healthier on the offensive side of the football because Tyron Smith is coming back. And Tyler Smith, thank God, will have to go and play left guard after... Kind of uh, some bad games over the last couple weeks. But the 49ers, literally all of their best players are injury prone. Jimmy Garoppolo, Debo Samuel, 
George Kittle, Nick Bosa, Trent Williams, Christian McCaffrey. Like, all of their star players are injury prone. And everybody's like, they're the team to beat. I'm like, let's give it a month. Let's give it a freaking month. The Dolphins, the Bucks, the Seattle Seahawks, the Commanders. Kind of, but not really. The Arizona Cardinals. They got, excuse me, they got to go through those teams and the Raiders. But nobody cares about the Raiders. I don't consider the Raiders to even be a real football team. They got to go through all those football teams in order to go to the playoffs. You don't think that one of those guys that I just mentioned, Jimmy Garoppolo, Debo, Trent Williams, Nick Bosa, even Eric Armstead is hurt. It's like, you don't think one of those guys is potentially going to get banged up significantly more? Christian McCaffrey? I don't know. I don't know. And then I don't even think that they're playing that great. I don't, I don't see it. I don't, like, I don't see it myself, right? And the reason why I say I don't see it is that they have, they don't have a good win on the record. They don't. Like, everybody bitched about the Cowboys two years ago and their wins and their, like, category wins and things of that nature. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, the, like the Cowboys, they haven't played anybody. Right? Two years ago, that was all I heard. Cowboys haven't played anybody. 49ers haven't played anybody or had a single win. I got a cough. <coughs> Excuse me. Against a good team all year. They lost 44-23 to against the Chiefs. Is that your good win that you're talking about? Because it was a good win for the Chiefs. Good win for the Chiefs. Not so much for the San Francisco 49ers. And that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking Like, I don't understand it. You know? I mean, maybe you could also consider the Seattle Seahawks, which is kind of a good win, but I think the Seattle Seahawks are overrated. But I, just, I don't see it. Like, here are the teams that the, that the, um, that the 49ers have beaten, right? They have beaten the Rams, the Panthers. I was about to say the Falcons, but they lost to the Falcons. They beat the Rams again. They beat the Chargers. And then this past weekend, they beat the the, uh, the Cardinals. Where's their, without Kyler Murray, by the way, where's their top tier win? Where's the win that shows that they are a dominant football team or not even a dominant football team? I'll just take a contender. I'll take a contender. Dallas has beaten two top tier teams in the NFC last two weeks. Where's their, where's their signature win? Where is it? Where is their conference with adversity? Where is it? I don't see it. I saw them. I, you know what I do see? I see them losing week one against the Bears with Trey Lance, a team where they 1,000% should never lose to, ever, in their entire freaking lives. I see them losing against the Denver Broncos in what was one of the worst football games I have ever seen. I would rather be subjected to torture in Guantanamo Bay than ever have to watch that football game again. I see a loss to the Atlanta Falcons, a team that I have right now making it to the playoffs, and they're close. Don't worry, they're, they're close. But again, it's not a good team. And an absolute blowout by the Chiefs. Literally almost a month ago. The, these are their losses. No signature wins. Talk to me. Talk to me if they beat Miami. If they beat Miami, 
then we can have a conversation. But if they get blown out by Miami, which is what's probably going to happen more likely than not, because I think Miami is significantly better than the 49ers. If they get beaten by Miami, if they get the front door blasted, blasted open by Miami, I don't want to hear another word. Don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. I want to hear this. Silence. That's all I want to hear. I never want to hear that football team ever be mentioned with, oh, they're, go- oh, they're, they're going to be a top-tier team. Chris Canny said something interesting. He said, the Eagles, they're not a top-tier team like the Eagles. The Eagles literally almost lost to the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday. They lost to the Commanders last Monday. Not this previous Monday, but like almost two weeks ago Monday. And I got something in store for the Eagles here in a couple of minutes. Talk to me when Miami, talk to me when, and by the way, by the way, no excuses, by the way. Because it's going to be a home game. A home game for the San Francisco 49ers. So again, I don't want to hear anything until Miami. Do I have that game? I, I just, I just want to check. Let me, let me check in. I, I hope I do. NFL football. Do I have that Miami game? I'm praying to Jesus that I have that. Miami. It's like, it's like two weeks out. So I may not be able to see it. Do I have it? Eh, it doesn't look like it, but I guarantee you I'll be watching it. I'll be peeping in the scene with a gangsta lean. I guarantee you that. I guarantee that. Anyways, sorry. I'm just so annoyed with the conversation about the 49ers and how people are like, they're a real NFL football team. It's like, it's like the story of Pinocchio. I'm a real boy. I'm a, no, you're not. You're a, a, literally a, a marionette doll. Shut up, Pinocchio. Shut up, people who are talking about the, uh, the 49ers being a real football team, a real contender, real deal, Evander Holyfield, sorry. Anyways. Let's talk about all the game day picks that are going to be, all the game, uh, all the games that are going to be happening over the weekend. By the way, can I have a quick little rant here? I mean, why not? You know, I'm not going to have one anyways. So today, you know, Friday, by the way, I didn't, I didn't know this. Apparently the garbage men don't pick up the trucks or not the trucks, the, uh, the trash the day after Thanksgiving. I didn't know that. I thought they did. Um, the garbage men, the garbage truck guys, uh, they sometimes pick up trash super late. I'll just I'll just be honest. Like sometimes, like like when I was a kid, I remember sometimes the garbage trucks would come at like like literally when I was going to school, like at or a little bit before that. And then it's just like I moved states from Texas to like Florida. And then it's just like they literally come at sometimes five o'clock in the afternoon. Like I'm like, I get back home and I'm just like it's still here. And then I'm not, and then I thought I was like, I'm like, am I the, the only moron that thought that the garbage was going to be picked up today? No, 
the entire neighborhood is just like with it has garbage on the side of the road because everybody was just like, oh, the garbage is going to be picked up, right? I was like, yeah, no, it's not it's still on the street. No, that's going to be fun on uh, Monday, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what happened, but um, they're super inconsistent with times. Like some, like, like I remember um, sometimes on the podcast, I would just be like, hey, it's like 11 o'clock. I'm about to take out the trash. So that way I wouldn't have to do it in the morning. Don't have to do it in the morning because literally they don't pick up the trash. Until like sometimes five. Fortunately or unfortunately, I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, let's talk about uh, football now. Let's start off with some of the uh, the more interesting matchups here, like uh, the matchup that we'll all be watching that I'll be talking about: Green Bay. Versus Philadelphia. Primetime. Game of the week. Sunday night football. Super important football game in America. I'm picking the Packers over the Eagles. Here's why. I think their run defense is susceptible. I think their passing defense is susceptible. And um, Aaron had come out today or this week with the whole story of I have a broken finger or broken thumb, which uh, it's funny that he says that because it sure didn't fucking look like it uh, when he played up against the Cowboys a couple of weeks ago. It sure didn't look like he had a broken thumb. He's like, I had it since week five. So I'm like, well, it sure didn't look like it when you were playing up against the Cowboys. I don't know to what extent. Apparently, it's not as serious as Dak Prescott's because when Dak had a broken thumb, he was out for a month. I don't know the severity of the injury. I'm not sure, but hey. Dallas and uh, Dak essentially was just like, yeah, you like rest for a month. Aaron's like, I'll play for like the the last month and a half. I don't know what's going on with Aaron Rodgers, but I do think that it's going to be semi hard to kind of like screw this game up because I think the uh, the Packers have kind of better players, and to be honest with you, they've kind of owned the Eagles as well as they have owned the Cowboys. I know that it's going to be played in Philly, but um, honest to God, if Aaron's, like, look, if Aaron is hurt, and if they lose this game, just rest, bench him. Bench him for the entirety of the year, man, at that point. I'm going to be so annoyed if Aaron doesn't beat the uh, the Eagles and help me out, but really, it shouldn't even be on Aaron. I said it Like, I've been saying it for, like, the last month. I'm like, if Green Bay wants to make a playoff push, or if they just want to be, like, semi-competitive or semi-decent, then they should essentially sell out when it comes to the running game. And not defensively, but offensively. They should do everything in their power to get Aaron Jones going, to get A.J. Dillon going. And to be honest with you, I'm a bit shocked that they haven't already done that. They did it kind of against the Cowboys, and then they stopped doing that against the Titans. They were just like, yeah, we're not going to run the football anymore. I'm like, I think that there are things to be exploited or players to be exploited when it comes to the rushing game this Sunday. And I'm just like, I don't don't see it. I'm like, you should be able to beat the Eagles this Sunday if you're Green Bay. Again, I would be, be shocked if they don't. Maybe not shocked, but I would be like semi-shocked. Jalen Hurts is kind of playing on a is is on a little bit of a slide here. 
over the last couple of weeks. He hasn't been playing like that well. I don't know. I feel like maybe it's me. I feel like the Colts are not as good of a team as as the Packers. And I feel like the Packers, like, like excuse me, I feel like the Colts almost could have beaten the Eagles. And I feel like the Packers can do the same thing this weekend. I just don't see it. I just don't see the Packers, or I see the Eagles more specifically, just sliding, you know? Playing these mediocre to below mediocre games. And I'm just like, I just... I don't really see them really doing and having a lot of success this weekend, so... Hmm. Of course, we'll see what happens. Anyways. Packers at Eagles. I'm taking the Packers. I think A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. Please, please help me beat the uh, the Eagles and help the Cowboys get the one seed. But I think A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones will help beat the uh, the crap out of the, uh, the Eagles. And the Eagles are kind of like in for another uh, crappy game where they play play poorly against a team that they really should beat. We'll see. Wouldn't it be ironic if they were just like, yeah, we're just not going to do that. And we're just going to literally like uh, destroy the, uh, the Packers on Sunday night football. Wouldn't that be hilarious? <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's try and find a interesting game here. Like an inter dang, all of the interesting games are kind of gone. I guess the Bears and the Jets are a pretty like interesting game. Uh, when it comes to Zach Wilson, of course, being um, benched by the uh, the Jets earlier on this week, Robert Sala immediately came out and was just like, "Let it be known, this is not the end of Zach Wilson's career playing here." And I'm just like, "Yeah, he'll have plenty of time playing." Um, you know, um, <laughs> if if your games are like blowouts or whatever, I I'm just kidding. Um, they're going to start Mike White. They're going to go up against Justin Fields and the Bears. The Bears are terrible. I'm picking the Jets. Uh, the Jets may be a little bit better with uh, Mike White in at quarterback, but it kind of just depends on, like, if Mike White is, like, an absolute disaster of a quarterback against the Bears, then I can't think that could be, like, a signal and a sign that maybe the Jets, depending on if they want to win a game or if they just want to lose, again, they're, Super close to being in the playoffs. It's just like you kind of have to like figure some of this stuff out. Like who's your best quarterback? And you kind of have to like strangle them and be like, hey, freaking win us games. Help us win games. Don't help us lose games. Please and thank you. You have to figure that out literally now, right now, right, right now. Please figure that out. If you don't figure that out, you will consistently lose these football games. But um, we'll see what happens with Mike White. And uh, Zach Wilson, but I don't think the Bears, and I thought this, who did they play against last week? Oh yeah, Atlanta, who I have making it to the playoffs right now, but it's looking grimmer and grimmer. And by the way, I have them making it to the playoffs, not because they're a great team, but because they're playing in a crappy division. And we'll see what happens with um, with them later on. But um, the Bears, to me... They're not somebody to be respected. As much as the Jets have really screwed themselves, I see nothing with the Jet with um I like I, I see nothing excuse me. As much as like the Jets have kind of like screwed themselves, I see 
nothing with the Jets that would tell me, or not with the Jets, but with the Bears, excuse me, that would tell me that they have, like, any way of beating the Jets. The Jets have an awesome defensive tackle in Quentin Williams, who seems to be really coming alive over the last couple of uh, weeks to months. He seems like he's going to get the contract extension that he wants with New York. They also have some really, really good wide receivers and kind of a dedication to running the football. I talked about how much they were going to miss Makai Becton, and they do, but they've they figured out some some things, and they've kind of like stabilized and has really taken advantage of um, of kind of the uh, just the dysfunction in some other teams, like for example the Bills and how they beat the crap out of the Bills a couple of weeks ago. Maybe not the crap, but they just beat the Bills. It's just like I don't know. They're, it's also in New York as well. It's not in Chicago, and Justin Fields has a dislocated shoulder. I'm like, hmm. Everybody out there that's like Justin Fields and the uh, the Chicago Bears are just going to run the crap out of the football against the Jets. I'm like, I don't think so, but we'll see. We'll see. Jets versus Bears taking the Jets. Falcons at Commanders, though, will be a very interesting game. Taking the commanders taking the command here even though i have the falcons making it to the playoffs the reason why i'm taking the commanders it's just like i don't know falcons have kind of been on a slump and a skid commanders have played pretty decently with taylor heineke i could be wrong though but i don't know the falcons are a little bit disastrous as well and Cal Pitts is gone I think he's done for the entire season like I don't know the Falcons it's not that they used him when Cal Pitts was playing but now it's just like it's doubly is so where it's just like oh you're missing one of your top guys Drake London surprise surprise isn't the receiver that everybody thought he was going to be I think the commanders got it AJ Terrell Grady Jarrett are going to be hard players to play against obviously because they're two of the best players at their respective positions but We'll see what happens on Sunday with commanders at Falcons. I think the commanders go down against the uh, the Atlanta Falcons. Same thing goes with the Bucs. I think the Bucs lose against the the, uh, the Browns this next weekend. Uh, Miles Garrett looking to freaking destroy Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Devin White, I think he's coming off of like an awesome game a week or two ago. I think they kind of take a slump there. And I think the Browns overall are a little bit frisky of a football team because when Jacoby Brissett actually like plays well, they offer a threat in the passing game as well as in the running game. And I think their defense is slightly underrated. I think, look, I think the same thing that I thought about the Browns uh, right now as I did a couple of months ago. I think that they are a really, really well-built team who are a quarterback away. Deshaun Watson, I think, is going to play maybe not this week. He's going to play up against the Texans, so it's going to be potentially next week. And I think that the Browns maybe have a shot with Deshaun, maybe making it to... What's what's the record this year? The record is 3-7. and seven. Oh, they don't have a fucking shot in hell to go to the playoffs this year. But I do think long-term they could potentially make something happen. We'll see, depending on if Deshaun Watson will not get suspended again because that could potentially be in his future again. But um, I think with Jacoby Brissett, as long as they freaking, I mean, as long as they just 
have some consistency in the ground game and they don't turn over the football. And if they pressure Tom, I think Tom will go down on Sunday. I'm not sure. I don't like betting against Tom, but Tom hasn't played very well all season. So there is that. Broncos at Panthers. What a terrible football game. Oh my God. Uh, I'm taking the Broncos though. I mean, every single week it feels like if I, like whenever I see certain teams, I'm just like, if Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos lose up against this team, then they're just terrible and they're disastrous and all this other stuff. And it's just like, I mean, maybe not I've said that, but I've definitely like thought it a bunch, but it's just like, like last week where they lost to the Raiders, I was just like, wow, how could you lose to the Raiders? But then it's just like this week, I don't know, man. I mean, they're not going to fire Josh McDaniels. I feel like you would have had like three or four games where you're just like, dude, why did you lose that game? When you have not Josh McDaniels, Nathaniel Hackett, they're essentially the same coach. Bad. But I feel like you could have had like three or four games where you could have fired Nathaniel Hackett. But Shannon Sharp said something interesting. And I think there was like actual action that was related to uh, what Shannon Sharp had said. He had said that the owners, the new owners of the Denver Broncos are not happy with how Denver has played this year. And I thought that that was so interesting. It, it's the Walmarts and like other people like Lewis Hamilton, for example. They He also owns it. Let me unplug my computer first. Hold on. Hold on. Sorry about that, but it was like the Walmarts who now own the Broncos and like Lewis Hamilton as well, F1 race car driver, fucking awesome, awesome race car driver, but they're not apparently happy to it. And the reason why I think there was like maybe not action because the owners were happy or, I, or, or maybe, maybe something was leaked to that, linked to that, but maybe like Nathaniel Hackett's job isn't necessarily in the best position or maybe somebody like told him, hey, you got to freaking figure this out. This is a little bit embarrassing was when he like officially relieved himself of play calling duties and he gave it to somebody else. But then they also got somebody else to like manage or watch the clock. I don't know what it was. It was just like, we've, we've kind of seen the whole like Nathaniel Hackett has hired X person or X people to help him do uh, certain things or basic things that he really should know how to do. And we're kind of at this precipice of this weekend where I don't think Josh McDaniel's job is in jeopardy. I think Nathaniel Hackett's in the next year could be because unlike Al Davis or Mark Davis or whatever his name is, uh, the people that own the Broncos have a lot of brass in their jockstrap. Uh, they can fire him this year. They can fire him next year and they can be like, yeah, like we're done with you. Goodbye. We'll figure it out. So we'll see what happens. Uh, to be honest with you, I would just wave the white flag and I would be like, yeah, uh, we're done. We're done. We're done with Nathaniel Hackett. I would also do everything in my power to try and get uh, Sean Payton, excuse me, to Denver. The same thing that I would hope that the Chargers would do. Uh, Chargers play up against the Cardinals this uh, this weekend. I am um, I'm taking the uh, the Chargers super reluctantly though. Um, I know it's super easy to crap all over the. The Cardinals, it is super easy because they're not a very good football team. But the Chargers also have some blame as well in the sense of like, look, the Chargers 
have just completely and utterly botched this season that they should have been able to have won multiple games in. So many players are hurt. They're completely banged up. I don't think Brandon Staley's a very good coach, and I think that just shows over the last couple of years. But the fact of the matter is, is that there's been consistent rumors to Sean Payton or of Sean Payton being linked to the Los Angeles Chargers, and I think that those rumors are pretty legitimate. I think he sees Justin Herbert and he's just like, oh my God, I don't have to move because he already lives in Los Angeles. And on top of that, he's just like, oh, he's a young Drew Brees. I could literally, except taller with a with more athleticism, maybe even better mobility. Or not better mobility, but better um better um a better arm. But we'll see what happens. But yeah, like the whole the Chargers are significantly better on offense than they are on defense is concerning, considering once again that the that the um the Chargers are a team with a defensive head coach and not an offensive head coach, and their offense is playing better than their defense. And all of the money this offseason was spent on defense, which I was like, that's not good at all. But, uh, hey, it is what it is. The Chargers, they go up against the Cardinals. I don't, I don't believe in the Cardinals. Nobody believes in the Cardinals. Nobody thinks the Cardinals are a top-tier football team. Nobody believes that the Cardinals are a team that can that can be anywhere near the level of the uh, the Chargers if the Chargers were healthy. And they have become extraordinarily reliant on Kyler Murray to essentially bail them out of any and all problems all the time. And it has led the Cardinals to being very, very one-dimensional. And uh, I don't even I don't even know how, how they win football games, to be honest with you. What's the record? Scott, they didn't they win three games? They won four games. Yeah, they won four games. And it's just like, yeah, this is this is who they are. If Kyler doesn't pop off for a bajillion yards and carries the football team, then they're going to lose more likely than not. Chargers over the Cardinals. It'd be really annoying if the Chargers beat the Cardinals. Chiefs at Rams, or Rams at Chiefs, excuse me. Uh Chiefs, the Rams are terrible. Who did the Rams lose to last weekend? Who did they lose to? Oh, they lost to the Saints. Oh, yeah, like the like the Saints are terrible, and the Rams lost to them that last week. I don't I don't think I need to spend any more time on that. Uh, Saints at Forty ers I think the Saints are terrible. I think the Forty ers are better, but I don't think that it's by much, and I think that it's a little bit exaggerated how good the uh, the Saints are. But uh, yeah, like the Forty, the Saints are just a disaster. They really are. Like Drew Brees retiring, and Sean Payton retiring is like the two worst things that could happen to the Saints. The Saints have officially, unofficially gone back to being the Aints, you know? You know, when Saints had to wear, like, brown paper bags because the Saints were so terrible. But, yeah, it's it's this. If I was the Saints, I mean, they spent a shit ton of money on their their players, man. I would probably try to move, like, some of these guys. I'd try to move Cam Jordan, honestly. Maybe it's just me. I would I would be in a full rebuild and I would try to do it this year or next year with an onus and a focus on getting Bryce Young or uh Caleb Williams. If I couldn't get those two players outright, I would move players. But like Cam Jordan still has a lot of juice left for somebody who's like almost 35, right? How old is he? Yeah, he's like 33 years old. And he has like five and a half sacks, which for a 33 year old is pretty good. But yeah, I would I would try and move Cam Jordan. Try and move Cam Jordan. Maybe even Marshawn Lattimore too. 
would either be like, I would move one of the three. I would move like Marshawn Lattimore or Demario Davis or Cam Jordan. Depends on how much Cam Jordan costs. How much does Cam Jordan cost? Depends on his contract. If his contract is good, then I'm not moving him. But if, um, or it, it actually also depends. But like, I think Cam Jordan is a good pass rusher. His cap hit this year is 12 million, which is nothing. When does his cap expire? I mean, his cap hit, depending on the year, it can be like anywhere between like 12 million. Next year is 25 million. And then in 2024, it's 12 million. It's just like, I may take a swing on Cam Jordan. I'm not going to lie to you. I may try and trade him. I'd like to get uh, the 25 million off my books, but I don't know. I don't know. Saints are bad, though. Saints, uh, Saints against the 49ers. I'm taking the 49ers. Ravens at Jags. Ravens, man, have been kind of bad these last couple of weeks. Or maybe just, like, as much as people want to say, inconsistent. Ravens have kind of been dangerously inconsistent against teams where they should just outright straight up beat, like... They barely beat the Panthers. It was 3-13, to 13, and really, like, I think all 10 points that gave them the lead over the Panthers came in the fourth quarter. Because if you remember that game, or God help you, if you if you watched it like I did, uh, it, was, it was a hog, a hog watch, you know? It was just terrible to watch, or just a bunch of pigs rolling around in their own filth. It was terrible. But, um... That uh, that Panthers game was just a really, really bad game. And I just, I mean, the Ravens are kind of broken. I don't know if paying Lamar Jackson will fix it. In fact, I, I'm pretty sure it won't. Like, I think Marlon Humphrey is just not as good as he once was. And I think the same goes for Marcus Peters. Literally both of them just came back from injury and they're just not as good as they once were. Maybe, maybe they can improve and maybe they can be better in the next year or two years. But yeah, they, they are just not very good this year. And so they are a obvious deficiency on the Baltimore Ravens as a defense. It's weird to say because they were literally two of the best corners in the NFL literally two years ago. But uh, Jacksonville's pretty bad themselves. So I think uh, Ravens over Jacksonville, but would not be surprised if Jacksonville somehow pulls it out because the Ravens just... I've not been playing great football in the last couple of weeks. Finally, Texans at Dolphins. Are we being serious? Texans are starting Kyle Allen, apparently, because they're done with Davis Mills, which signals that they're probably going to be going after a quarterback in the offseason, so... I think it's done with Davis Mills. He's had like, you know, a nice run. I thought that he was a going to be a nice, good third round pick. And I think he is. I think he's like kind of a decent backup um, in the NFL. Maybe. Uh, maybe, maybe not a starter. Probably not a starter. Definitively not a starter, but definitively a backup. I think he has a job. I think he has a career. Long term, but um, yeah, he, he's he's more likely than not a backup. But 
Texans over, um, at Miami, not over Miami. Texans at Miami. Miami, of course. Uh, Miami has Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and now Bradley Chubb. And I mean, I feel like they could potentially challenge the Chiefs this year. I think they could. And I think they can. And I'm a bit saddened that they won't go up against the Chiefs this year in the regular season because I think that could be really, really indi- great indication on what happens to the Dolphins. Um, in the long term, do the Dolphins play anybody down the stretch? Give me like two seconds. I think, yeah, they'll play up against the Bills, and I think that'll be a great test. They didn't play up against the Bills with Tua, and they, or they did, but he was concussed. So, you know. Do the Dolphins play up against anyone who's like challenging, difficult? Oh, they go up against the uh, the 49ers, Chargers, and then Bills all within the within three weeks. It's going to be so much fun to watch that game. Or those games. We'll get a nice little read on uh, on how the Dolphins play and, uh, and how good the Dolphins are. Can't wait to get into it. Anyways, I'm peacing out for today. I'll see you tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, 24's podcast.